The defendant will rise and face the jury and hearken to its verdicts. State of Wisconsin versus Kyle Rittenhouse. As to the first count of the information, Joseph Rosenbaum, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Grosskreutz, we the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. Members of the jury, are these your unanimous verdicts? Is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read? Would you wish the jury pulled? And that was the verdict that came down on Friday afternoon around 1 o'clock uh, Eastern time. The Kyle Rittenhouse verdict where he uh, found not guilty. And for folks who spent more than, I don't know, 30 seconds truly researching what was going on, this is no shock. Hi, everybody. Welcome in to the Check Your Brain podcast here on Patreon. And I'm actually going to put this episode for free, not only on Patreon, but other places too. All of your favorite podcast platforms, because as we're heading into the holiday season with supply chains and uh, the, the cost of Thanksgiving, they said is up 14%, which seems like it's up about 140% if you saw the bird that we got for Thanksgiving. Um, I, I figured I'd put this out for free. We've got a good good guest coming up a little bit later in the program with Steve Oldfield. And Steve Oldfield was on the podcast a couple of months ago to talk about his documentary on Covington Catholic and Nicholas Sandman. And it's interesting, the parallels. He actually reached out to me about doing this. And it was I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do it after the verdict. And uh, we talked. In fact, I was in Cincinnati at Rheingeist Brewery in uh, on Friday when the verdict was announced. And so I so I contacted Steve. I said, well, all right, well, let's do it Monday then. Even And Steve's like four miles away from me just across the river. So it's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, that uh, I figured I'd put this out for free because there's a lot of good information and a lot of good misinformation and disinformation that has been out there around, revolving around this case. And since the parallels between Covington Catholic and uh, in this case— on the surface, it looks like there are zero parallels. You have one where it's a smirking kid at a pro at a, 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 a march for life, and then this one is Kyle Rittenhouse. The thing is that they're both teenagers, and they were both slandered in the media, libelous and slanderous coverage for the last year plus of someone like Kyle Rittenhouse. So I want to go over some of the things. What basically what I'm going to what, what I'm talking about with Steve is more of the how the media drove this. That this was a media, it, you know, like I talked to a friend of mine, and he says, I don't even listen to the media. I, I don't even watch it. I, you know, I shut it off. I don't believe that because the media is not just New York Times, Washington Post, ABC, NBC, CBS anymore. Media is mass media. It's a blue check mark, And people with blue check marks have driven narratives. It's not about the facts. It's about driving the narrative. And this is what we're go I'm going to cover with Steve, but I wanted to talk a little bit about the case in general as we talk right now. First of all, 
Why was Kyle Rittenhouse there? That's the big thing I'm seeing even from conservatives, from people who have defended Kyle Rittenhouse or have looked at the case. They say, well, why was he there? Well, first of all, let's go back to what originally happened. In the year of our Lord 2020, the summer of love is what, uh, was it the Seattle mayor? or Somebody, one of these moron left-wing West Coasties said it was the summer of love. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, there was so much love last year. You know, billions of dollars in property damage. Uh, Upwards of 40 people were murdered during the mostly peaceful protests. Remember that. Remember, there were fiery but mostly peaceful protests that happened in 2020. Uh, There were upwards, they said upwards of 93% of the protests that happened in 2020 were mostly peaceful. So so that means 7% were not peaceful that they were riots, they were violence. (laughs) 7% is still a lot. Mostly peaceful protests should be 99.999% mostly peaceful. And then there was somebody who set a dumpster on fire. That's where you can go, hey, well, you know, there was that dumpster fire, but outside of that, everything was fine. Not this case. Not when cities burned to the ground in a, a place like Kenosha, can't bounce back like a New York City can. If you have somebody burning a, a small city to the ground like that, you're really not going to have a lot of people being able to rebuild a, a, a town like that. So let's talk about Kenosha and what was going on. This is how the media covered Kenosha and what ended up happening in, in with Jacob Blake is it was, again, it was just like with Michael Brown, who was the, you know, he's gentle giant, who's a good, good guy. And, you know, like George Floyd, of course, was just a, you know, father of the year. And it, so Jacob Blake, remember, the story came out that they said that uh, Jacob Blake was going over to a woman's house to break up an argument between two women. He's a good Samaritan, just a, a great guy absolute humanitarian and he was going there to be uh, uh, kind of the go-between like oh hey hey ladies let's let's settle things it's incorrect in fact uh, Jacob Blake was a an alleged rapist and and uh, digitally penetrated one of the women there and they were afraid for him and, and that's why the cops were called there Jacob Blake oh he was unarmed uh, no he was armed uh, saying you're armed doesn't necessarily mean you have a deadly weapon and a knife which was on the floorboards of his vehicle. He had it and was resisting arrest. So he was shot. By the way, uh, Jalen Rose, oh, I may as well play that right now. No, no, I'll play Jalen Rose in a little bit, but there's a lot of people who feel that Jacob Blake is dead. He's not. So where is this media misinformation and disinformation now? All of these have been proven false over time. But again, it gets in the way of the narrative. So what happened after with Jacob Blake? But all of that in the case, breaking up a fight between two women, he was unarmed, just a wonderful human being, that he was killed. None of that was true. But it because of how it was covered and, and how everything else in 2020 was going on from what was going on with Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and uh, I, I'm blanking on the, the guy who fell asleep in the Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta. And then there were riots all across the country at that time. So let's tack on another more in August of 2020. So you have uh, the riots that were occurred due to a lot of the false narratives. So Kyle Rittenhouse 
Hat just so happened happen to be there because he's a vigilante with a gun. No. And he crossed state lines illegally with his gun. No. Do they not understand where Kenosha is on the map? That Kenosha is a border city of with the state. It's right on the border of Wisconsin and Illinois. And Kyle lived with his mother for a little bit across the state line in, uh, in, in Illinois. For folks who live in Northeast Ohio, for example, where Kyle was from in Illinois to Kenosha, crossing state lines is like going from, you know, Akron to Canton. It's just down the road. Plus, his father and his family lived in Kenosha, Wisconsin. So he wasn't crossing state lines in a state he did not live in. That was And so what was he there? Was he, <clears throat> this is how the narrative goes when you talk about the police, is that Kyle Rittenhouse was just going there, just picking off protesters, just left and right. Just, hey, look at this. Oh, you see that guy with the shirt? Boom. Hey, that guy has a stupid hat on. Boom. It wasn't the case. Kyle Rittenhouse is actually being a, a, a medic. Yeah. Well, is he trained? Is he an expert? No, he's 17 years old. But he had proper handgun and firearm training. He's pointing, he's pointing the barrel towards the ground. He knows what he's doing there. And he's been raised with gun. See, this is the problem when you have members of the media, members of academia, and this inept prosecutor who is pointing a gun at the jury in the courtroom. With this finger on the trigger, regardless if it's loaded or not, it could, it could silencer, un, you know, not loaded, anything. You're not pointing your finger on the trigger like that. Putting your, it's this is insane, but that proves that that guy. The only time he's ever known about a gun is when he's played it in a video game with his little Starfleet insignias or his Star Wars. Ugh, enough of Star Wars. Enough of Star Trek. Enough of Marvel movies. Enough of comic book. Ever, Completely different podcast. And if you subscribe to my Patreon, I talk about all that as well at patreon.com slash Tony Mazur. So Kyle's up there because he was called to protect some property from being damaged. Car lots that were being set on fire. And we saw this in Ferguson, Missouri back in 2014. We saw this in different places. Uh, and then we saw it in Minneapolis where you were, you were seeing signs that said Black Lives Matter that were ablaze. People were putting those marks on the doors and the windows by saying black owned business, please do not burn our place down. And a lot of them were still burnt to the ground. So as this is going on, oh, and by the way, crossing state lines, why is that a big problem to cross a state line in the United States? Like what, what is this big, you don't need a green card to cross state lines, but that's been this big talking point in the mainstream media and the corporate press. Oh, he crossed state lines. You know who else crossed state lines, by the way, to cause damage? The protesters, the rioters. They're from Portland. They're from Seattle. And oh, by the way, how many of those people are fine with open borders, with bringing in immigrants from Haiti, immigrants from Guatemala, immigrants from other South American countries in, not tested for COVID, and they don't have their vaccines, and not wearing masks, but are able to just just fly in through the Texas border, cross the Rio Grande and come in there in caravans. We're fine with that. But God forbid 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse cross state lines. A little funny how that works? Anyways. He's up there to help protect property. And these same morons who talk about property rights, they're like, oh, it's just broken windows. 
it's it's not a big deal. I mean, come on. Property. So they have insurance. It's okay. A lot of places don't have the insurance that you think, and that's not going to get covered. So he's up there to help protect car lots, and it's people's livelihoods. When you talk in libertarian circles, there's a lot. There's a good case that property rights mean just as much as human rights. You don't have to agree with that, but it's a theory that's out there that I think has legs to it. It's very valid. So. He, that's why he was up there. You don't have to like that he was up there, but that's what he was doing. Now, was he just picking off protesters? And like I said, this is what they think with the cops. The cops are just killing unarmed black people for no reason. That they're just, they wake up one morning, whether you're Derek Chauvin, whether you're uh, 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 the, you know, the, the police, the officer who uh, killed Tamir Rice, they, they just woke up that morning and says, I really want to kill a black person today. And by the way, don't take that out of context, please. That they feel that that's what their duty is to wake up and kill black people that day. It's not the case. Cops want to have an easy day. But he's up there. And by the way, speaking of cops, as they keep calling him a vigilante, Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old vigilante, that this is like Charles Bronson in Death Wish. Oh, how, how dare he? Go around. He's just going to protests and just wildly opening fire on protesters. Again, they're making it seem like it's Kent State, May 4th, 1970. Again, not the case. Kyle Rittenhouse, these are people who know nothing about guns. They think guns equal bad. So he has a gun, which means he loses his right to self-defense. No, moron. This is why he has a gun, for self-defense. People who have guns are not necessarily intending on shooting them. How many legal gun owners are shooting up schools and shopping malls? It's non-existent. Because if you're a legal gun owner, you're using it for protection. You're using it for sport and target practice and everything and going to a range, but you're not using it on other people unless they are aggressing against you, which is what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. He didn't want to use his gun that night. You heard it in the testimony. He didn't want to. But that's not the narrative. The narrative is that he went up there and shooting protests because he's a white supremacist. It wasn't at all the case. He was trying to help people. He was helping people that hated him. And that the only reason he shot was because he was being attacked. In fact, the lone survivor of the of the three that he shot admitted that, oh, yeah, I was pointing a gun at, at Kyle Rittenhouse with the intention of shooting. And oh, by the way, uh, there was somebody last week who was killed with a skateboard that was bludgeoned over their head. But I was told that a skateboard can't be a deadly weapon. Remember, a knife, Jacob Blake's knife, not deadly, not armed. A skateboard, that's eh, just a skateboard. Who hasn't been hit by a skateboard? Was this a, was this a cartoon? So it, the, and we'll talk a little bit more about the media and how, how they, really got everything wrong here but uh, just first of all again talking about the media ESPN I'm at a bar in Lexington Kentucky on Friday and I look over at the TV and ESPN is on and I'm seeing Jalen Rose talking about this and Steve Nash the former point guard who's now the coach of the Brooklyn Nets I, I don't care about what is what is it? 
what does this have to do with anything? It's sports. Oh, well, sports is it's not just sports anymore. Don't say stick to basketball. Don't say shut up and dribble. Uh, you know what? With all the news going on, people need an escape. I don't want to I don't want to see things written on the court. And by the way, Kyle Rittenhouse didn't shoot any black people. They were all white. I did see people saying because I think all of them are, you know, Anthony Huber, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, and or, or Joseph Rosenbaum and Gage Grosskreutz, that they're all Jewish. So now they're saying he's also an anti-Semite because he killed Jewish people. Uh, but I, I want an escape, man. Instead, it's there is no escape. I have to hear this from pe- morons like Jalen Rose. And here's the thing. Black Lives Matter protests was actually taking place because Jacob Blake was shot and killed by police officers. In that case, wait a second. He was shot and killed by police officers. That's not that's not correct. That's misinformation. Shouldn't he be banned from social media? I thought we were trying to do a good job of banning. Now, I know he said it on television, but he put that out there, and people believe it, that Jacob Blake was shot and killed. He was not killed. And also, I've seen this where talking about the he, that they were they killed black people. It's not true. None of that is true. So why aren't they banned on social media? Why why do we only have to pick and choose which information or misinformation we need to stop? Oh, so if you said something like, hey, by the way, um, people who are taking these vaccines nowadays are experiencing an uptick in myocarditis. No, misinformation, not happening. There's no, virtually no one has died from this vaccine and we have to go about it. We need you banned from social media because you're, you're spreading dangerous and deadly misinformation. But Jalen Rose is on TV saying that Jacob Blake was killed, which could, I don't know, could spark more protests that happen, which in turn incites violence. But, you know, we forget about that. How dare we? How how dare we talk about that? Unbelievable. Amber Ruffin, she does a show on Peacock that no one watches, but she posted this. Unbelievable. You guys, because I have my own show, I have a responsibility to say things that people need to know that aren't being said. It's a cool opportunity that I don't take lightly. There are very big, obvious truths that no one wants to say on TV, but I will. Now, just a few minutes before we... Oh, oh, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. To say some uncomfortable truths, but I'm going to say it. No, every, every one of you blue check marks whether you're a late-night quote-unquote comedian, you're a political commentator, you're not saying anything groundbreaking here. If, if you wanted to say anything where you're like, look, no one else is saying this, but I will, and then you said something like, uh, January 6th wasn't a big deal, or whatever, uh, that's a hot take that you can get banned and get a lot of blowback for. Is Amber Ruffin going to get any blowback from saying what she's about to say right here? on social media. In fact, she's probably getting applause from her fellow blue checkmark verified members. It's just, it's truly, this is the echo chamber. They think they're being brave. This is where they like, I don't care who needs to say this, but I think black lives matter. And they really believe, like they have this 1960s feel that they're, they're saying something so controversial that, oh my God, did he, did he just really say that? Saying Black Lives Matter in 2021 is the least brave thing anybody can do. It's the least brave thing. Seriously. I mean, like, who is going, 
Are you going to get fired because you put Black Lives Matter on your Facebook page? You can get fired if you say Blue Lives Matter or All Lives Matter. But if you said Black Lives Matter, that's the easiest thing. Or if you put a transgender flag as your uh, your profile picture on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Or you put a black square on Blackout Tuesday in 2020 on your Instagram. There's nothing brave about saying that. No one's, no one's going to fire you from your job. No one's going to protest in front of your building because you put Black Lives Matter. So this is that echo chamber that she is living in where she thinks that she is really taking a stand. When in reality, you're just parroting talking points from everybody else in your line of work. Here we go. I started taping the show. Kyle Rittenhouse, the man accused of shooting three people during a Black Lives Matter protest, was declared not guilty on all charges. So... I can't believe I have to say this, but here we go. Oh, look at these, look at these tears. It's not okay for a man to grab a rifle, travel across state lines and shoot three people and then walk free. Okay, what she's going to say, everything about this is incorrect. It's not okay for the judicial system to be blatantly and obviously stacked against people of color. Wrong. It's not okay for there to be an entirely different set of rules for white people. Wrong. But uh, I don't care about Kyle Rittenhouse. Wrong, you do. I don't do. care about that racist judge. Wrong, and he's not racist. I don't care about how up that jury must be. Oh, yeah? Uh, white people have been getting away with murder since time began. Wrong. I don't care about that. I care about you. And uh, I can't believe I have to say this, but you matter. You do, matter. Do I? Every time one of these verdicts come out, it's easy to Are feel like you Are you talking like about you me or just black people in general that we matter? That you do. You matter. You matter so much that the second you start to get a sense that you do, a man will grab a gun he shouldn't have in the first place and travel all the way to another state just to quiet you. That's the power you have. She's making it seem like Kyle Rittenhouse was tra traveling across the country just for this. No, 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 you know who did that? Antifa traveled across the country to Kenosha to lit it on fire. This is wrong, 100% wrong, but it's being parroted in the media. And, and this is just, this is where this national divorce needs to be discussed because I don't, see eye to eye with Amber Ruffin here. I don't see eye to eye with any of these people. Let me bring up a couple, couple of examples here. How about Reese Witherspoon on Saturday? She says this, woke up this morning thinking about every mother, father, sister, brother, friend who has lost someone to senseless gun violence in America. And then dot, 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 there was no justice for their pain. This is a disgrace. No one should be able to purchase a semi-automatic weapon, cross state lines, and kill two people, wound another, go free. I, in what world is this safe for any of us? They're making it seem... Uh, Joseph Rosenbaum, just an upstanding citizen. You know, JoJo. Yes, that's right. JoJo, as Mark Ruffalo, this moron, this piece of garbage... We come together to mourn the lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalued the lives of Anthony and Jojo. Hashtag reimagine Kenosha. What a mor- you, you are now covering for a pedophile. And this isn't just 
Jojo, Joseph Rosenbaum, but, you know, we, we got to call him Jojo because, you know, fun names like that. He's a good buddy of his. Joseph Rosenbaum is a, is a child rapist. He, he's not, th this isn't even, he had a couple of images on his computer. This isn't like Gary Glitter or this isn't like uh, uh, Pete Townsend. This is somebody who actually raped a nine-year-old boy and we're defending him. Have better heroes. Have better heroes. This is your hero, progressives. This is who you're looking up to. Child rapists, wife beaters, grandmother beaters, fentanyl addicts. How about somebody who points it during an armed robbery, points a gun into the stomach of a pregnant woman. That's your hero. That's your hero. Have better heroes. Have better role models. This is BS. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. And this is this is put out there. And we just have to just accept that. This is this and again, this isn't just the media, CBS, ABC, NBC. These are blue check marks. These are verified influencers on social media. And because there are a lot of blue-pilled stupid people who take things at face value. That's how they look at it. And these lies, these nonstop blatant lies are being repeated. And when you tell a lie enough, people will believe it. Maria Shriver, I'm trying to take a beat to digest the Rittenhouse verdict. My son just asked me how it's possible that he didn't get charged for anything. How is that possible? I don't have an answer for him. Yeah, I have an answer for him. Hi, hi, Tony Mazur uh, from uh, Akron, Ohio, uh, 30, 33 years old here. Uh, uh, my pronouns are he, him, by the way. Uh, I have an answer. It was a self-defense case. Case closed. Case closed. Self-defense. They are lying to you. They're all lying to you. This is cognitive dissonance, by the way. The people who are freaking out about this, this is cognitive dissonance because they were told something at the beginning that wasn't true. They were told at the beginning of this whole case that Kyle Rittenhouse is a murderer, that he's a white supremacist. And it, it's not true. There's None of it came out that was truthful. And they didn't, oh, well, the, the, the jury must be racist, okay? Okay. Oh, and uh, oh, Kyle Rittenhouse is a product of white privilege that he could just carry around a gun like that and, and just wildly shoot people. He didn't wildly shoot people. In fact, he was three for three. Two for three if you're looking at, at deaths here. I feel no sympathy for any of them who are dead. And in fact, he cleaned up the streets then because he got a, a child predator who, for whatever reason, is out of prison. He had a child predator and, and got rid of him. It's kind of like, isn't it like the difference between transferring a priest to another parish and sending that priest for crimes against children to prison? It's like, what's better? The priest being away from the public and the possibility of molesting more children? Or we just transfer him to a, a parish three towns over and we just forget about it and shrug our shoulders? Cognitive dissonance. That's why people can't process this because they were told one thing and they can't understand that the media uh, and, and politicians and influencers lied to them or they told them mistruths, untruths for a year now and that they can't process that. So they say, well, clearly, you know, the judge has to be racist. The jury has to be racist.
It's truly unbelievable. Narrative over facts. That's what it is. It's not, it's not factual. Nothing about this has been factual. Ugh, God. Oh, and by the way, last thing I'll say before we get to, to Steve Oldfield here is they talk about with the police. And, and, and I'm somebody that I, I'm a little biased because I'm the product of a, I'm the son and the grandson of a police officer during some of the most turbulent times in Cleveland, Ohio. Well, the Huff riots, the Glenville riots, the uh, crack epidemic that hit in the 80s and the 90s, and PCP, cocaine, uh, Rodney King, like post-Rodney King violence that would happen. And it, it really was turbulent in Cleveland for a long time. Uh, you had the flats, you had uh, different areas where there, there were problems. And it wasn't, and, and a lot of racial tensions too. And of course, because of that, I've never wanted to be a cop. I'm like, maybe when I was five, oh, I'm going to be a police officer like my dad. But then I grew up and realized, nah, that's probably not the case. I'm going to get into radio where chances of me getting shot, uh, very, very little. But Kyle Rittenhouse kind of did what the cops should have been doing. And what, what that was is protecting families, protecting human beings and protecting property. And they weren't doing it. And it wasn't necessarily the uh, the individual police officer. As uh, you know, the term that I can't stand is I'm just following orders. And I think that's where you need more rogue police officers to say, no, I'm not going to follow ridiculous orders. This is These are by police chiefs and police unions. that are essentially politicians and, and, and political wings. And well, whether it's Kenosha, whether it's Minneapolis, whether it was Atlanta, whether it was, uh, you know, all across the country with a lot of these riots that were happening in 2020, police officers were told to stand down. Stand down. Don't do anything. You know, they'll break windows. They'll spray paint. They might light a couple of cars on fire. Don't do anything about it. But as we also saw in 2020, you had police officers, and not as much in America. We were kind of seeing it in Canada. We're still seeing it in Australia and some of these other places that have had lockdowns, is that... Uh, they're arresting pastors and rabbis for holding church services during the high holidays, during during Rosh Hashanah, during uh, Hanukkah, during Christmas, during Easter. And I'm seeing these police arresting a pastor because he's holding services without social distancing or masks. And, I'm, and I said at the time, and I will continue saying it right now, if you're a police department who's in favor of arresting people and people— pastors, anybody, because of social distancing violations, but you stood down during the riots of 2020, then you deserve to be defunded. You deserve every penny wiped away from your department. And all those police officers should find another job. If you're, because of the governor, because of the mayor, because of city council, and they said, you need to start arresting these pastors because uh, they they held Sunday church services without a mask on. Oh, well, I guess we got to go in there and, and, and publicly going in there and arresting. It, this happened. These are out there. But what do those same police officers do? Not only does a lot of them stand by, stand down and stand by, they took a knee in solidarity and they took a knee for nine and a half minutes because of George Floyd. If that's the case, your department needs to be defunded, completely defunded. And let's have citizens police. We'll see how that works out. We'll see how the crime rate works out in Chicago. We'll see how the crime rate works out in Baltimore, in Cleveland, in Kenosha, in Minneapolis, in Seattle, in Portland. 
Just get rid of the police department. See how everything goes. Go for it. Citizens Police Academy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, this is insane. Th this whole this whole, the whole thing is completely insane. But we just have to just listen to our, our betters in the media who are just lying to us, openly lying on a daily basis. And we're, let's hear more about that. Because there are parallels between what's happened in Covington Catholic, Jussie Smollett, the Brett Kavanaugh case, this case with Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, why, are, why have we focused so much on Kyle Rittenhouse when there's other cases to be... We don't hear enough about the Ahmaud Arbery case right now, do we? The Ghislaine, is that how Ghislaine Maxwell case? You know, that starts coming up. We're not hearing anything about it. These are some of the most influential people in our society, the politicians, the actors, the athletes, the uh, musicians. They had flight logs to Epstein Island. But we're not hearing much about this case. It's just like it's a passing, oh, no, no, no. And, and here's the thing. Oh, no, we reported it. Yeah, you reported it once, you put it on your website, you buried it on your website. Just so you can say, no, 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 we're covering it. This should be the biggest trial, I, I, I think, and you know, probably since uh, the Warren Commission. This should be the biggest thing to go on due to cover-ups and, and and very influential people that were a part of this. But we don't hear anything about it. Why? Why not? Why don't we hear anything? This is a grave injustice that's happening. But hey, look over here, shiny object, Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse. And you can say, well, Tony, you've spent a lot of time talking about this because it's a cultural battle. This isn't just a just a singular case. There's a lot of local crime stories that don't get reported in the mainstream press and national press. This is a cultural battle, and we're seeing it playing into uh, into it right now. So let's hear. Uh, I'm going to hear from Steve Oldfield uh, coming up here in just a couple of minutes because it. The parallels with how the media coverage and how the media got things so wrong at the beginning to what ended up happening after the fact. And if you thought that Nicholas Sandman had a nice case against CNN and the Washington Post, oh boy, Kyle Rittenhouse might might be a, uh, making like nine figures. He's going to be a rich man the rest of his life, and he's only 18. So let's hear from Steve Oldfield. Kyle Rittenhouse, he murdered two people, by the way. Rittenhouse is basically what you would have had in a school shooter. He's a 17-year-old kid. He shouldn't have had a gun. He crossed state lines to supposedly protect property. No, he was going out to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, the 17-year-old vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the vigilante. Kyle Rittenhouse, the armed teenage vigilante. A 17-year-old vigilante, arguably a domestic terrorist, picked up a rifle, drove to a different state to shoot people. Kyle Rittenhouse, <laughs> a guy yeah. who's... Deeply racist, went with weapons to a Black Lives Matter protest, looking to get in trouble. He did. He murdered a couple of people. Rittenhouse, uh, the 17-year-old kid, just running around, shooting and killing protesters. You see the 17-year-old who was radicalized by Trumpism, took his AR-15 to Kenosha and became a killer. A white, Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving uh, Blue Lives Matter social media uh, uh, partisan, 17 years old, picks up a gun, drives from one state to another with the intent to shoot people. A 17-year-old boy mm. who drove across st state lines with an AR-15 and started uh, shooting people up 
including a guy with a skateboard. Kyle Rittenhouse, who has <laughs> killed protesters, unarmed protesters. Rittenhouse is a 17-year-old that went with a weapon into the middle of uh, protests uh, and then provoked people and then shot and killed them. From out of state, drives up to the state with an AR-15 around his neck, shoots right and kills yeah. a couple of people, uh, shooting wildly, running around, uh, acting like... Uh, drove across state lines armed with a rifle to go and shoot people. What a dark uh, dystopian scene where a 17-year-old boy is carrying around a rifle, running around and, and gunning down protesters. And that was a supercut of some of the media coverage that has been going on with Kyle Rittenhouse claiming he's a white supremacist, claiming he went to the protest just to shoot people wildly. And, of course, again, when you're talking about wildly, it's wildly inaccurate. A lot of this cognitive dissonance was happening and the just the blatant lies that were happening throughout this case. And so uh, Steve Oldfield here is my guest, and he's got a documentary, and we talked to him a couple of months ago uh, uh, called Rush to Judgment, and it's a documentary on the Covington Catholic case. Well, I, I saw a meme the other day that shows a picture of Nicholas Sandman with, with the, obviously he's wearing the red hat and he's smirking and it says, I got $250 million from the media for defamation lawsuits. And then it's a picture underneath of Kyle Rittenhouse that says, hold my beer. <laughs> so it, it really is, it, it's, when you think about the amount of times that Kyle Rittenhouse had gotten defamed in the media of being a white supremacist, that's a major accusation that you can't just take lightly and just say that, oh, no, like you can call people racist without having any proof of that. And this is what has been going on uh, for a while now. And that's what Nicholas Sandman was going through with Covington Catholic at the March for Life. So Steve Oldfield's here. We're going to kind of compare what was going on with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and Nicholas Sandman. Now, the comparison kind of continues on the surface it doesn't seem like a comparison other than they were teenage boys and they got caught up in this case but when you start to really break it down that okay Nicholas Sandman didn't have a gun his crime was he had a smile on his face yeah a smirk as they called it a smirk Kyle Rittenhouse was this vigilante who was wildly shooting into crowds completely untrue and in both cases you're seeing the media defame a teenage boy both teenage boys, for their own bias, the media's biases and the lies that have been going on. And th this has just been continuing. And what we saw with Covington Catholic, the amount of lies that came out from this at the very beginning, where and when the truth started coming out, you still had people believing the lies. And that's what exactly. Rush to Judgment was about, uh, debunking a lot of this stuff. Yeah, and I got to tell you that meme you you talked about, hold my beer. I actually shared that on my Facebook too. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. I thought that was that was just awesome. And you know, the other thing about all this that we have to remember, it goes right up to the White House. You know, um, President Trump was very quick to defend Nick Sandman through this whole thing. In contrast, candidate Joe Biden last summer. Um, inferred that that Rittenhouse was a white supremacist. He didn't come out and actually say it, but he used it in the same sentence and the impression was left that the president the you know the now president of the United States was calling him a white supremacist. And after the verdict happened, Biden's first reaction was to say, well, I stand by 
you know, the court of justice because the you know justice system works in America. But then his cronies in the White House who were pulling all the strings, they issued a statement kind of almost retracting that and and saying that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that still needs to be done. And his vice president um, was quick to tell us that she was an attorney general and that she had, you know, worked in law enforcement and, and that, that it, it shows how terribly broken the system is. So it goes right up to the president, not just the media. You, you expect MSNBC to get a lot of things wrong and CNN to get a lot of things wrong. But for the, the sitting president of the United States to take a side like this is even more disturbing. I said it earlier about how when we talk about media, it's not just ABC, CBS, NBC, Washington Post, New York Times, L.A. Times anymore. It's blue check marks. People like Alyssa yeah. Milano, people like uh, Mark Ruffalo, people like Reese Witherspoon, Maria Shriver. Uh, yeah. These are people that are spreading it, the same people who were mad about misinformation and disinformation during the, the, the pandemic and the 2020 election and the Russia collusion hoax that was going on, those same people are sharing dangerous misinformation. And when I say dangerous, uh, you're talking about people that went to Kenosha because they were told that Jacob Blake was, uh, was trying to break up a fight between two women and was unarmed and right after the uh, George Floyd protests uh, and the death of George Floyd, you're now s stoking the masses for yeah. this hysteria. And what happened in Covington just about three years ago was a classic case of, hey, we have our narrative that we're pushing, which is white privilege, white teenage boy who comes from a well-to-do background in a well-to-do high school is smirking at a Native American banging a drum and making it seem like that's the face of white privilege. That's the face of white supremacy. And there's no apologies over it. That's the problem. No. No, the, like, has anybody actually come out and truly said, I got this wrong. I am wrong about Jacob Blake. I'm wrong about Kyle Rittenhouse. I'm wrong about Nicholas Sandman and I'm wrong about Nathan Phillips. I, I really haven't heard any mea culpas. And if there are, they're not put out there in the media. It's like that follow-up story never gets the traction that the original one did. You're, you're exactly right about that. And, you know, the thing that I've often said about the whole Nick Sandman case was if you remember, if you're old enough to remember, there was a very famous public service announcement of a Native American having a single tear go down his face. It was for Keep America Beautiful. And it was, he, he was looking at how, you know, the white people had ruined America with pollution. And it was one of the most powerful PSAs of the 1970s. And he kind of had that, he kind of had that Nathan Phillips look to him, right? So Nathan Phillips is this, this, this Native American who's being, um, attacked, as they put it, by by the white kid who had the Trump's hat on, the, the Make America Great hat. And even worse than that, Nick Salmon didn't just violate a Native American, he violated a Vietnam vet. Well, if, if, if any of the media had taken five minutes, they would have realized he wasn't a Vietnam vet. He actually served in Nebraska repairing refrigerators during the Vietnam War. He was never overseas. And, and that was the thing that they, uh, just another lie that, that kept going and made Nick Sandman look even worse for going against a Vietnam vet. And the interesting thing about this too is, and this happened with the Rittenhouse case, there's a guy online who was known, for, and a former Navy SEAL, who's known for debunking people who are trying to do what he called stolen valor, claim that they did something great in the military that they didn't. He went on 
and complained about Nathan Phillips, and he was deplatformed from YouTube for doing it. Mm. So, you know, and, and in this case, poor Rittenhouse is trying to raise some money for his defense. What happens? GoFundMe takes his whole thing off. The, now, GoFundMe this weekend came back and, and, and said, well, now you're eligible, but it, it's a little late for that, don't you think? It's un, it's truly unbelievable. And, you know, the defamation suit that the Sandman family went through, uh, because in, in, in the earlier podcast, if people want to check it out that uh, I did with you a couple of months ago, talking about how Richard Jewell went through that same situation yeah. where Jay Leno and all the, uh, you know, Saturday Night Live and the talk shows basically said that, hey, this guy w was planting the bombs at the 96 Olympics in Atlanta. And it, and, and they were making fun of his weight. They're making fun of his mustache. And it just, it was, it was truly disgusting. And you're not seeing the apologies from the people that should be apologizing because what it is is, it, so, so here's what we saw in the Rittenhouse case last week was that there was a freelancer for MSNBC that yep. was apparently told to follow the jury van back to the hotel to take photos of the jury, meaning, and so what, what does that do? First of all, how is that newsworthy? And second of all, they know damn well that when they put this out there that people are going to sleuth the internet to find these oh, yeah. jurors, post their photos online, dox them, harass their families. And what you saw in what was going on with Covington Catholic is that they took all of those those teenagers, not just Nicholas Sandman, but the rest of them, including one of the one of the uh, the black students there, and calling him yep. an Uncle Tom and a coon, and, and harassing their families. They the media, and again, when I say the media, not just NBC, ABC, CBS is that mass media knows that when they can put this stuff out there, they will dox you and they will just sick the the, the usual crowd, the peanut gallery, yeah. on uh, to do their dirty work. So they're saying, look, we're just reporting facts. We're just doing our jobs here. But they know yeah. that when they float, when they put the bait out in the water, they know the fish are going to come up and try to grab the hook. And that's what exactly. was going on with Covington Catholics. So just saying that Nicholas Sandman is a face of white privilege and white supremacy and he's a racist and this and this and this, they know that, in, in my opinion, their brain-dead Antifa-like audience is going to go, oh, good, let's see, Nicholas Sandman, he's from this town and this person, this yep. person, this person, yep. and then they're going to harass the family. And that's exactly what was going on, and that's going— and if they were going to do that with the jury, that's jury intimidation up exactly. in Wisconsin. This is, this is unacceptable. Totally unacceptable. And I will tell you, the one of the other little parallels in this whole thing, um, you mentioned celebrities. Kathy Griffin came out against um, Nick Salmon and called for him to be doxxed and called for all these kids to be doxxed. And then, of course, what happens is people Google or go to YouTube and they see they go back and do their own research and see what they can find out. Like nine years earlier, before Nick Salmon even went to high school, Kathy Griffin found a a, a video and, 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 a, and a photo of kids at a basketball game at Covington Catholic. And, and Covington Catholic is a big school for, for school spirit. And they have all these different, they have a, they'll do like a blackout game or a whiteout game or a blue out game where everybody wears blue or white or, or or wears black clothing. A few of the kids had um, 
had had painted their faces and their arms and every part of their body black. So some people interpreted that as they were in blackface. So surely all the kids were racist. And they also were holding up three fingers like like an OK sign because they were trying to get a three point play. And the photo showed them going you know, like number three. Well, Kathy said that they were flashing white power signs. And that's the new, you know, white power Hitler sign. Um, and, and everybody said, well, did you think about this? It's a basketball game. They were saying three-pointer. So she finally deleted that. But first she came out and said, here's more proof that all the kids at Covington Catholic are racist. And, and the other thing that people have to remember about all this, imagine being Nick Sandman and, and, and having to go to your two younger brothers who were, I think one was six and one was 12 at the time, and say, pack a backpack. We have to leave our house because people are threatening to scalp me and firebomb our home. And they had to move to a safe house all because he was interpreted of having a smirk and they charged that he blocked the path of the Native American. And, and the other thing, if, if they would have watched any of the video, Kathy Griffin or any of the media would have watched the whole video that was online and available the day that this all broke and went viral. They would have seen that the moment Nick Salmon and all the kids left the stairs of the Lincoln Memorial, Nathan Phillips never did go up to the top and try to see the top of the, of the Lincoln Memorial, which he claimed he was doing, and, and he claimed that, that um, Nick Salmon had blocked him. He just turned right back around and beat his drum more, and his friends around him said, we won, Grandpa, we won. And... Uh, and yeah, so there are so many parallels. And I will say, um, I'm still in touch with Nick Sandman and his family. He's a great kid. He actually this weekend talked to Kyle Rittenhouse. And really? Wow. He's, he's trying to, to kind of mentor Kyle through all of this craziness. And, he's, and he wrote a great op-ed piece that you can find online if you Google it. And he, he said, you know, I, I hope that, that, that he wants to sue because I think he certainly will. And he said, you have to be prepared. You might not get anything, but we have to hold the media accountable. It really do. And especially when, when – because, again, uh, the, with the Sandman case is that that was – the, the situation began on a Friday, yep. and it was, Friday, it was about Friday afternoon. By Sunday afternoon, yep. you were starting to see more information because at first it's smirking kid in front of a Native American. Then you start hearing about the black Hebrew Israelites, and then you realize yep. that, that the, the students were provoked, not the students provoking. And right. to say that, because here, here's the one thing is just standing your ground is now harassment. That's what I heard, yeah. is that just standing there and standing your ground is also a, a means of force. And again, nobody apologized after that, or very few, if any, apologized for their behavior. The, the same with the Rittenhouse case. I think I may yeah. have seen one or two, I don't know if they're members of the media or whatever, that said, I kind of got this wrong from the beginning. I had my preconceived notions and biases and narratives, and I was wrong. But you're not going to see Joe Biden and Kamala Harris say anything about this. You're not going to see nope. Mark Ruffalo apologize while he's calling one of the the serial rapist, the child rapist, Jojo, affectionately named Jojo, Joseph Rosenbaum. Um, and when you talk about rushing to judgment, which rush to judgment is the name of the documentary of yours, and yep. how people just go right out in front. Now, here's another story that happened out of Wisconsin was that uh, uh, Daryl Edward Brooks Jr. yesterday at this Christmas parade in uh, uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, drove through a crowd killing five people. Now, yep. because Daryl Brooks is a black male, we're not to rush to judgment here. 
Isn't it funny how that works? Exactly. That because yes. it doesn't fit the narrative, and I noticed this when it comes to a terrorist attack, when I saw that, uh, whether it was the the uh, plowing into cars in New York City and in, in Times Square, whether it was the the case of uh, the the Pulse shooting in Orlando or the right. San Bernardino shooting or the, um, the another case on the bridge up in New York or the Paris attacks, the, the, the Bataclan. And every one of those was when they start to get the, when, they, when it's Mohammed, whether it's uh, whatever the name is, it's like the media is hoping it's not Muslim. And, and yep. in this case, they're hoping that the, it's not going to be a black man, that this is going to be an angry white Trump-supporting, MAGA-loving individual who hates anyone who's black, brown, gay, trans, anything, and that they can say, well, this is the face of white supremacy. This is what it is. Well, it comes out it's a black man, and the same people who are telling you to essentially harass the Sandman family and the Rittenhouse family are saying, guys, let's not rush to judgment. Even though now, by the way, there are surfaced Facebook posts of uh, Daryl Brooks, who was talking about arming having be having black radicals arm yourselves against police officers and even another uh, post where he said in 2015 about uh, there's a cop car that has a confederate flag for the license plate and a clan hood on top of the police car so he's clearly oh a black radical but again can't rush to judgment here now i agree not to rush to judgment that's the point of this whole thing is that we have to let the facts play out as they will Kyle Rittenhouse's case was a case of self-defense. Nick Sandman's case was, you know, they were waiting for the school bus to pick them up so they can head back to northern Kentucky. And But we wanted to, we collectively, rush to judgment in those cases. But in this case, where you have five dead that are plowed into uh, in Wisconsin, no, 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 let's wait for the facts to come out. Well, yeah, of course, I agree with that. You're right. And, you know, the other thing about all this, we have to blame social media because it makes it so much easier and faster to rush to judgment because all of these people from the president of the United States on down, whether it's Trump or Biden or whoever it is in Washington, they all follow each other on Twitter. They all read each other's posts. And if one person gets it wrong, if the Washington Post or CNN or any of those mainstream media outlets gets their post wrong, and in biases, you know, makes a bias decision against a Nick Sandman or, or Kyle Rittenhouse or any of these other people, they all see that post and retweet it and repost it because they think they have to comment on it as quickly as possible to virtue signal. You know, when I did this doc, I learned all these terms like doxing, which is, you know, sharing everybody's personal information online and, and virtue signaling, which is writing what what you can say to to agree with some post or to, to to talk about your outrage to something that you've learned through social media to show how great you are, right? They all have to, to rush to judgment to, to, to share the post and to say, this is terrible, this is wrong, before they even research it. And that's what's so scary about the media today. You may remember back, if you're old enough to remember one of my other favorite radio people besides you, Howard Stern, back in the day, when Howard Stern would have people who would, who would call in with fake news accounts and then they would say Baba Booey. Well, well imagine if, if they were doing that today and some somebody at the Washington Post or CNN hears and goes with the story before they hear Baba Booey. Now it's out to the whole world and people are already condemning it and then you find out, well, it wasn't even real. And that that's kind of how all this is. But, but the media doesn't come back and say, oops, we screwed up. 
Um, they just keep with the narrative. And um, and as, as late as last week, there were media outlets all over the world reporting that Kyle's victims were black because that was the impression they got from the American media calling him a white supremacist. Why would a white supremacist shoot white people? Surely the victims had to be black. And as, and as late as last week, people all over the world in journalism were still getting that wrong. And then uh, you know, another parallel is they were talking about Brett Kavanaugh is that Brett Kavanaugh, because Kyle Rittenhouse was crying on the stand, oh, these fake tears, LeBron James had to come out and say, you know, that was fake, he probably had lemon heads that he was eating. And they said that about uh, Brett Kavanaugh, that he was crying on the stand, and it's, uh, you know, white male tears, white fragility. and, uh, And when in reality with Brett Kavanaugh is... He's on the Supreme Court now. Yes, it, it, it took a little bit, and that whole circus was going on. But a lot of it, again, was either fake news or it was uh, trying to go through this narrative. Christine Blasey Ford, th- there is no knowledge that they were even in the same room or the same building together at all. And when they right. would ask her about, like, okay, well, wh- when did this happen? I don't remember. But, you know, this and that, all these other factoids that they started bringing up to the point where they're pulling up his – uh, his calendars from 1982. And they're like, what yeah. does it mean that you had all these Fs here? What does that mean? He says, uh, I was in college. We were making fart jokes. That's what it right. was. That's all that was. And that it, it went to the point where Brett Kavanaugh, a possible Supreme Court justice, is a serial rapist from the 1980s to the point where Brett Kavanaugh occasionally has a beer after work. And we're like, we're done here. And the same with yeah. Nick Sandman, and the same with Kyle Rittenhouse. You went from what was the original narrative, what was the and now that gets filtered out, and that people will walk the streets. I mean, the amount of times I saw in the past week of people just blatantly getting the entire story wrong, saying yeah. that Kyle Rittenhouse was going up there, he crossed crossing state lines. As I said earlier, it's like crossing state lines is going from Cincinnati to Covington, Kentucky. Exactly. It, it's it's down the street is where Kyle right. went to. I mean, it would be like, oh, how dare Steve Oldfield cross state lines to go to Skyline Chili in Cincinnati? It's exactly. Like, and, it, it makes right. no sense. And his dad and his grandparents lived in Kenosha, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just, I, the, the other parallel to Brett Kavanaugh that I think we have to talk about, and the, one of the reasons why they were out to get Nick Salmon from the very beginning, and, and it was the main reason why they were out to get Brett Kavanaugh, has to do with the left's fixated, crazy obsession with worrying about somebody taking away their right to kill kids and abortion. Right. Mm-hmm. So the whole reason why they were against Brett Kavanaugh was because they were worried if he got on the court, he was going to tip the scales and that suddenly abortion would be illegal in the United States. And he was a Catholic and he was this horrible person. Nick Sandman was at a march for life and there were horrible things said about him. Well, of course, he must have done it because he's against a woman's right to choose and he's wearing a mega hat. So those were two strikes against Nick Sandman right away. And the, the thing that was so infuriating to me about all that was if you know anything about Georgetown Prep, the school that Kavanaugh went to, it's one of the most elite, expensive, richy rich kids schools in the country. Covington Catholic, in, in contrast, I think tuition is maybe $8,000 a year, and a lot of the kids are, are from poor or working-class families where they do work-study to be able to pay to go to that school. Now, Nick Salmon's family is a little more comfortable than that, but, but to, to say that he, it was similar to the Covington Catholic was like Georgetown Prep, 
is a complete lie and a complete crazy thing to, to again, bolster this whole thing of, of white privilege. And, uh, yeah, so white privilege, mega hat, and, and, and against a woman's right to choose – and, and, you know, it was the perfect storm that they were going to attack Nick Salmon. And the really disturbing thing that we're seeing also that's a parallel, I did this documentary because I believed in the case. I was, if you may remember, I went to the competing school from Covenant Catholic and hated Covenant Catholic my whole life, but met some Covenant Catholic kids later, later when I was doing a leadership conference and said, I have to do a documentary on this. This is just wrong. I'd spent years in journalism and just thought this was a horrible thing. Um, most film festivals we sent it to told me privately behind the scenes that was a good film, but they were afraid to run it because they were worried that they were going to insult their base because most film festivals in Hollywood, of course, is liberal. We couldn't get it aired hardly anywhere except for the Anthem Film Festival, which is part of Freedom Fest, and the Louisville Film Festival, which we just wrapped up this past week. But the left doesn't even want to hear when they're wrong or admit that they're wrong. And this is going on in the Rittenhouse case. People are being interviewed all weekend. People were being interviewed like Al Sharpton was on the Today, on uh, Meet the Press. They're repeating those same lies. That they're, they're not going to admit they're wrong or that the story is wrong. Um, that they were giving. And same with our story. You know, Nick Sandman walked into Transylvania University where he's going to school, and a lot of people rolled their eyes and, and you know, under their breath were saying that he was a racist. They still, even one of the professors there was trying to get him to be um, expelled and, and taken out of, you know, said, we don't need kids like this at our school. And um, for the record, that professor and Nick now get along well, because you know Nick was able to show the kind of kid he really is, and he loves Transylvania. He's 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 getting along really great in school. But imagine what Kyle's going to face for the rest of his life now from people who damage his his reputation beyond repair in many cases. So that's what's going to be interesting to see. Is I that's why I think he has a real shot at a libel and defamation case, just like Nick Sandman. Because how do you, how do you recover from that when people don't even want to acknowledge the verdict it's that cognitive dissonance where you're it really is you're you've been fed lies and now you believe the lies to the point where yeah. if you're put under a lie detector you'll you know you, there's no truth here it's your truth and yes this is where you know a few years ago when donald trump when he was president or at least before when he was calling the media the enemy of the people and i think a lot of people especially in my business and even a lot of conservatives were like okay look the media is you know they're not they're not good people and they misrepresent a lot of stuff but it's really getting to a point you can't say they're the enemy of the people they're the enemy of the people they are yeah. absolutely and yes i and and every time i mention this to somebody I say well you work in the media i'm like i'm i'm not talking about myself and there's certain pockets of people that know what's going on yes i work in the media but i'm the low man on the totem pole when we're talking about the uh, the, the mainstream press and you know blue check marks and everything that's even under the guise of like I mentioned about the the Alyssa Milano's of the world. Yep. She doesn't work for an outlet, but she has a large enough uh, influencer uh, platform that she can go on and on about about things and people will believe it because they watched Who's the Boss in the 80s. So, <laughs> we, you know, when you talk about it, what, what is it going to take to truly fight back a lot of this? Because there is no, when it comes to media, unless it's a truly egregious story, CNN it's now come out the Steele dossier was a load of crap that yep. for four years, CNN 
mainly CNN, but MSNBC and all these other outlets that talked about Russian collusion to the point where they impeached the president of the United States, where most people, if you if you ask them why Trump got impeached the first time, they'd think it's over Russia. But it was over a phone call with the Ukraine, some ridiculous no- nonsense that was going on. Um, they ran a narrative about the uh, about the Russian collusion. So what happens? Does Brian Stelter get his job lost? Does Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo get their jobs lost? Does C, no. uh, you know, SE Cup and all the others that have been pushing this? Uh, what's come out is a fake, false story for several years. To, uh, you know, or, or they misrepresent things that Trump said about oh he's telling people to inject bleach in their system over a vaccine yep. or. Uh, you know, Trump said there are good people on both sides and that Proud Boys are good people. He said none of that actually happened, but nobody loses their job over it. Chris Cuomo right. stuck up for his brother, Andrew. Well, he's getting Cuomo gets covid. He says that he's staying in his basement when there's film of him going down the street and harassing his neighbors. And then we it, it's but again, Chris Cuomo still has a job right now and that we just yep. shrug our shoulders collectively and go, yeah, well, nevertheless, and they get to keep their jobs. At what point is there some sort of vetting where we just go, look, you got this story wrong and uh, you got to go. I mean, if yeah. you're if you're a baseball manager and your team loses 120 games in a season, you can't <laughs> keep your job. You are incompetent. You got things wrong and you have and this is the team giving their mea culpa by saying, hey, look, we got to get rid of you because your your team stinks. The team, we trusted you to put together a good team and you're not good. So we got to get rid of you. But it the same thing does not happen for members of the media when they get stories blatantly wrong. Exactly. And, and, it, and you know, and for generations, one of the things we always discussed in journalism school was the initial charges are front page news, the retraction is a tiny little paragraph on page 23. You know, the, and the media has been doing that for forever since I was a kid before that. You know, if, if you screw something up, that's not a front page headline. It's three inches tall and in, in a newspaper. It's a little story buried in the back. Oh, oops, we got this wrong. Today, not only will they not do the retraction, but like you said, all those people are still making all that money. You know, Don Lemon was really upset a few weeks ago because Laura Ingram, um, interviewed a guy who has has said that um, Lemon sexually harassed him, and and that it happened in a bar, and 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 I guess there was some kind of settlement. I'm I'm not too familiar with all the details of the case, but but Lemon's you know people went after Laura Ingram, um, but but he he's okay to to keep doing what he's doing. Another guy on CNN, you may remember, um, was caught on a Zoom call pleasuring himself and and, and, and and he's still on the air. Um, so I don't know what it takes if you're if you're at CNN or MSNBC or one of these places, you can get away with everything as long as you're pushing the narrative that they want you to push, you must be okay. We're recording this the week of Thanksgiving and I'm already seeing this. MSNBC ran a story today that said Thanksgiving enforces white supremacy. That we've heard this over time where they would talk about uh, Indigenous Peoples Day or uh, we're not celebrating Thanksgiving because it's a uh, it, was, it was promoting white gen- or genocide by white people and that we shouldn't celebrate a holiday like this all the way to things that would be very innocuous like that eh, turkey's really not that good anyways it's probably the worst part of the meal well that's all part of the plan then we had in 2020 that you couldn't celebrate Thanksgiving because there's a pandemic you should stay home and do zooms giving with your family 
so there's an attack on Thanksgiving because it's this is the narrative. The narrative is that Thanksgiving is a white supremacist holiday. So yeah. when you realize that it's not about getting the story correct, it's not about getting the facts out there. It's about driving a narrative to get the clicks, to get people talking about something. I mean, this is the fact that I'm bringing this up. It seems like it's a big distraction because Kyle Rittenhouse ultimately, it, it, there's there's bigger things that are going on than Kyle Rittenhouse who shot three white people in a violent riot riotous protest. And there's bigger distractions going in the world uh, than talking about Nick Sandman, a, a, a teenage boy wearing a red hat at a yep. March for Life rally who just so happened to be smiling in front of a Native American. It's kind of like yep. that shiny object uh, because yep. there are other bigger things that are going on. But when we talk about the differences when it comes to uh, politically, you know, Andrew Breitbart had the great quote uh, years ago, which was that politics is downstream from culture. And I believe yes. that in a lot of ways, but I also believe media is upstream from culture. And what the media yeah. dictates starts to become the trend. That's why you're hearing about new normal. That's why you're hearing about all these other things. And uh, when it comes to pandemic and, oh, maybe yeah, it's okay to wear masks all the time and just normalizing a lot of stuff that's happened. And it's because I think media is upstream from the culture, which heads on downstream to politics. And then it becomes the law. And yes. I, I, it just, it bothers me when we start putting this stuff out there for people of saying that uh, it, it's reinforcing these types of stereotypes and, and putting forth this narrative right. and shifting public opinion to the point where you just talk to your normal progressive and they've gotten everything from Nick Sandman to Jesse Smollett to, uh, uh, you know, Jacob Blake and George Floyd and everything that's gone on in the last just couple of years. They get it almost 100 percent wrong. Yes. You're right. And, and, you know, the other thing that's an important parallel to a lot of these cases, especially Nick Sandman's case and Kyle's case, you mentioned clicks. And one of the areas that The Washington Post and all of those people were so vulnerable, and it's why I think some of them settled their lawsuits, because they knew they were in the wrong. The stories themselves, many of them didn't necessarily call Nick Sandman, a white supremacist. But you know how when you read a story online, it'll say, if you like this story, click here, and here's another story you may like, and here's another story you may like. Well, that first day with Nick Sandman, when they showed the picture and they told this little story and they said, well, we're not really sure what went on, when you were done with the story, it came up and said, if you like this story, here's one about neo-Nazis in Florida. And here's one about white supremacists in Michigan. And all the stories that were tied to Nick Sandman were about neo-Nazis and white supremacists. And that's what really angered him and his family. They're like, wait a minute. You, you, you know, you're saying, oh, we're not calling Nick Sandman a white supremacist. But look at the links that you're giving that you're saying, if you like the story about Nick, you're going to love this story, too. And that's what they were doing with Kyle as well. And that's what I think... Nick may have even told Kyle, hey, have your uh, attorneys look back on all this because that's so obvious. But but in Kyle's case, they were even more vocal about it. It wasn't just the links. It was just flat out calling him a white supremacist. And uh, But those are the things that are so dangerous, those links on, on, on stories, because that, that's drawing a conclusion and making a comparison that in many cases is libelous. It's completely inaccurate in a lot of ways. And what you're doing yeah. is you're conditioning the public. Yes, to, conditioning. Great word. Because, you know, you talk about, and I mentioned this earlier in the podcast about 
uh, crossing state lines. Well, yeah. all the people that were rioting in Kenosha, they weren't from Wisconsin and they weren't even right. from Illinois. They were from Seattle, they were from Portland, uh, rent-a-mobs. Uh, these are people who did cross state lines and commit lots of, uh, you know, it wasn't self-defense, it was true arson, it was true violence that was happening, property destruction. And, you know, it, so what you're doing is you're conditioning people by saying, hey, look, these people are out to, you know, the cops are out to kill black people. The, the you know, they're not your friend, whatever. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse and these white people you need to keep an eye on. So you have people who don't really look for the follow-up stories right. to, to say that, uh, oh, wait, by the way, Nick Sandman is not a white supremacist. And Kyle Rittenhouse did not shoot black people and as was yep. actually there to help protect property. And by the way, he didn't really cross state lines. He happens to also live in Kenosha. So all of these facts have just gotten wrong from the beginning. And again, there's no vetting of the media. And uh, and like obviously what we're doing right now is, is a good job of saying, look, these were the lies that were said at the beginning. This is what this is the truth. This is what happened. It's just the problem is it's it's trying to reach out to the people that do believe this stuff because you know, there's a term that's on on uh, online it's called red pilling and it's not necessarily political things it's when you realize and Michael Malice talks about this and Curtis Yarvin about the when you realize that these institutions whether it's academia whether it's the mainstream media uh, politicians that they blatantly lie to you. And there's a reason for why they're doing that, because, again, is what we've talked about this whole time is pushing a narrative and making you rush to judgment because they're right. rushing to judgment. They're putting out what they feel is their truth, that they would the narrative that they want out there for people. And it's when you start going and when people are red pilled a term from the Matrix, they take the red pill and they go, wow, everybody really has been lying. So what is the truth? I mean, just coming up, we have the Ghislaine Maxwell uh, uh, trial is going to start, but you're not hearing much about that. And, no. and why is that? Because a lot of very powerful people are being implicated in this case. And many of those people and corporations, I mean, in, uh, uh, or how about, here's another one, you know, talk about the vaccine stuff. There's a lot of problems with these vaccines that we don't hear about and the vaccine's starting to wear off, but they're not brought up in, in the mainstream media. Why is that? Because CNN and ABC, or I saw Good Morning America brought to you by Pfizer. Oh, interesting, because yes. you don't want a conflict of interest. You don't want your uh, one of your big-time sponsors who's spending a lot of money with you. You have a negative story that's out there. I mean, it, it, and it happens at a macro and a micro level as well, where these companies, they look and say, like, well, gosh, uh, Pfizer's sponsoring with us. You can't really say anything that was going on. You know, they're spending oh, yeah. a lot of money. So... It just gets ignored. Yeah, and you know the, the other thing about all of that is that if if your tribe, you know, if, if you're if you're an MSNBC viewer or you're a CNN viewer, you and you tune into them because you believe they're the ones with the truth, and they never admit that they're wrong, and and you know the, the, the within within minutes of the verdict, they already had their people in place who were repeating that same narrative and saying this verdict is, is an embarrassment to America and, and proof that everything is still about white privilege. They didn't even take time to, to settle in and say, well, hey, look, this is why the jury acquitted him. They went right to their narrative. So if that's all you, you watch or listen to, if those are the people you follow on social media, you'll never hear 
the real story or the truth because you've dug in and you're only listening to the one side. And if Fox News says it or Newsmax says it or someone else, then surely it must be wrong. And that's that's the other whole problem is people are never going to learn the truth because they've dug in just like the news media have dug in and they only listen to one side. I will tell you. I um I get emails and listen to everything from Bernie Sanders to MoveOn.org to Donald Trump to Newsmax. I try to li- to listen to all of them and see what they're saying. And the night that this happened, uh, MoveOn.org put out a, a fundraiser saying, "Look, see, this is proof the justice system is still broken. Please send us money." And they listed all of these fallacies, all of these terrible lies about about Kyle that we learned, if you watch the trial, that they weren't true, but they were still listing those to try to raise money. And and that, to me, was just the worst of the worst. It, it's, it's so disgusting. And, uh, it you know, it's a lot of the people in the media, they want to be first rather than factual and just to get that stuff out there. But it's also it's because it would be one thing if they got these stories wrong from the get-go, and then they had a big-time retraction, they apologized, whatever the case is. But it's it's to make people look at this and say, don't believe your lying eyes. This is what the truth is, that this is a form of white supremacy, that this is, which that term, you know, I had never really heard of white supremacy until 10 years ago. And if you see on Google Trends, remember there was a time where they were saying that like, you know, calling somebody a racist, you really had to, had to have a true accusation against somebody by saying that this person is a racist. Like you had to have proof that they said and did things. And not only that, they enforced the fact that they were in a position of power to keep minorities down. Nowadays, right. you could just call somebody, your neighbor, a racist and it's okay. And you, you know, you're not, nobody's gonna say anything, two things about it. So I, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you before we wrap it up and talk about some of the, uh, the plugs and where we can watch Rush to Judgment. Nick Sandman got, Pretty nice settlement. I, I don't know the exact terms. I know I mentioned a term earlier, but I don't know if how accurate that is. Uh, does, uh, you know, and you mentioned that uh, that Nick talked to Kyle and uh, about this, but in your opinion, and based on what you have seen and, and the defamation from by Nick of Nick Sandman by the mainstream press and a lot of other places, do you think Kyle Rittenhouse has a very good case of winning some of these defamation lawsuits and becoming a very rich man for his, uh, you know, for this trouble. Oh, definitely. I will say for the record, everybody heard like a two or three hundred fifty million with, with Nick when 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 they added up all of what he was suing all these places for, and it's not any. It's 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 a tiny tiny fraction of that amount of money that I think he's actually getting. I don't know the exact amount. He's not allowed to tell anyone what that is, but it's just the, you know, it's, it was the principle for him more than anything. And I think Kyle, I mean, when you look at what happened to Nick and, and his family, it's, it's minuscule compared to um, what happened to Kyle. And not to mention the fact that he was, you know, that the day after this all happened, um, I think people in the prosecutor's office and, and certainly in the press were, were calling him a white supremacist before they even looked at his phone or looked at anything. And, and, um, and you know, if there was actually something there, um, they would have revealed it. So, yeah, I think, I think he definitely has a very solid case because, again, the video was out there to be watched. No one, did, no one wanted to actually admit, oh, yeah, never mind, we screwed up. He shouldn't have been charged in the first place. 
And so I think he has a pretty strong case, and I hope he goes after it. And um, and it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes down. And the big thing to remember is that, yes, we're talking about large multi-million dollar settlements and that they'll probably be fine the rest of their lives, never have to work again if they don't want to. But in order to live a normal life, I mean, you're talking about two kids that were defamed before they were 18 years old and that how are you going to go the rest of your life? I mean, uh, Nick and Kyle could conceivably live 80 more years and the rest of their lives, they're known as. I'm the shooter from Kenosha, Wisconsin, who shot three protesters, and I'm Nick Sandman, the smirking, the guy smirking at a, a Native American. I mean, you think about what that weighs upon people. I mean, I, I don't mean to compare, but it's kind of like somebody that really that is a victim of abuse or rape, and that they may see justice, they may see that person go to jail or go into death row or whatever the case is, but you still have to live with that the rest of your life, and you still oh, have yeah. to live with that stigma. Well, and- and, and I have many friends who served in the military and served in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I don't want anyone listening to say, how dare you compare it to the PTSD of somebody who's been in battle. But when you're a young kid, your frontal lobe of your brain isn't even developed, you know, till they say till you're like 25, right? So imagine being 16, 17 years old like Kyle and Nick and having this incredible amount of stress and, and, and fear and terror for a long time that does lasting damage and you know i mean I'm, I'm happy to say that nick is is progressing through college but it's not easy for him and he he does have he has you know he has seen it's public knowledge that he's seen therapists and things to try to to get through his his own kind of ptsd from all this and imagine if you were kyle and also had to spend time in jail before you were you know before they were able to get bail and get him out but but and, and always and what nick sandman's dad talks about in our documentary is he says yeah the press moved on to another story but every day when i leave the safety of my house i wonder if one of these you know crazy people who threatened to kill us is going to come through and i'll always be looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life and and that's the thing that you know the media is going to move on to 15 other stories over the next month, but the collateral damage of, of Nick and Kyle and their families and what they went through because of the rush to judgment, um, no amount of money is going to take that away from you. And not only just that, the, the rest of the students who were affected too. So yeah. it's just sad. A rush to judgment is the documentary on Covington Catholic and, uh, uh, Steve, this has been fantastic. Uh, uh, you said you wrapped up a, a, a time at the Louisville Film Festival. Uh, where can you know the average person that's listening to this be able to watch yeah. this? Well, if you, if you go to our website, rushtojudgmentdocumentary.com, there's a link right on there that says watch the doc, or you can go directly to Vimeo. Vimeo is a great platform, unlike YouTube that that is known to uh, de-platform people. Um, Vimeo is, is is a great place, and you can watch it on VOD, Video On Demand, um, on Vimeo, or just go to our website. You can watch a trailer there um, and read some articles and, and hear more from Nick. And uh, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for this way to be able to, this is therapeutic for me to be able to talk about this, other than just ranting on my social media. Um, but to be able to talk about this and hopefully get people to, um, you know, to, to, to tell all their friends about what what's going on in the media. And I, I give you credit for all the work that you do all the time. 